welcome to Night of the Living Geeks. If you geek out over it, we've got a podcast for you. Seb, how's it going? It's going great, but it's too hot up here in Sacramento. How's the weather down in Livermore? It has been pretty darn warm the past couple days. We've gotten up into the 80s, and um, I mean, it's been great for gardening. Kobe's had, um, there's an entire like metal rack full of grow lights and uh, plants uh, that we're starting for our garden for this year. Now that we actually own this house, we're going to go a little gangbusters on stuff. Um I'll show it to you tomorrow when you're here because That's tomorrow's awesome. Easter and yeah. everybody's coming over. Um, yeah. So yeah, things are, things are going well here. I went to the, um, the Radwood car show last Saturday, the eighties and nineties car show. Um, and that was a lot of fun, but boy, has that sent me down a path of, oh, now there's all these things from our childhood that I want back. Now, now, what is Radwood? Could you Radwood tell us is about? yeah, Rad Radwood is a car show that was started by uh, some guys from a number of different podcasts: Driving While Awesome, the Clutch Kick Podcast, the Camden Tubbed Podcast, and and they wanted to do a show that was kind of a tribute or an homage to cars built between 1980 and 1999. Okay. Um, and so it got the name Radwood from a very famous British um, automotive event called the Goodwood Festival of Speed, um, mm. in which attendees are encouraged, if not required, to dress up in period outfits. Okay. <clears throat> so as such, they at Radwood strongly encourage people to dress up in period outfits. So it's clothes from the 80s, clothes from the 90s. Um, you know, accessories for your car uh, or your boombox from that era. So I could potentially come to one of their events driving my 1999 Saturn, which I basically had since 1999, and wear my 1999 clothing, which I still kind of really just wear as my regular everyday clothing? Um, you absolutely could. In fact, um, oh, there have been times where uh, they've mentioned, yeah, we haven't had a Saturn show up. <laughs> That's my, my, it's, I knew if I waited long enough, my car would come around again. This is exactly. awesome. And I know, and I've tried to encourage you to get out of it. So <laughs> no, hang on to it. Um, the, yeah, you know what? If you're not doing anything, uh, June 24th, uh, out at Oyster Point, uh, oh, yeah. in, uh, South San Francisco, uh, <laughs> is the next Radwood event. Uh, you'll have to sign it. up online for it first, but, okay. um, you could totally bring your, 99 Saturn. It's awesome. SL1, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was really neat. Um, the one that I went to last weekend was at the same time of the 24 hour of lemons races. Um, mm -hmm. so I got to go to Sonoma raceway and, and kind of watch automotive racing at, at the same time as, you mm -hmm. know, uh, uh, this car show. Um, so yeah, it, it was a lot of fun and, 
you know, I kind of came away from it going, okay, now I've, I've finally been to one and it kind of just simmered in me a little bit. And I was like, okay, I want more of like my day glow clothes from that era. I want, mm-hmm. you know, my, my Sony sport Walkman back. I, I restored my Game Boy, my original wow. 1989 under the first 1 million made Game Boy mm. um, with a brand new case, a brand new speaker, brand new buttons. Um, basically just transplanted all the circuitry and stuff over. Um, and, and it works great and it sounds great and it looks great. It looks factory fresh. Um, not to mention that, but, uh, Perrin got all excited because one of the games that he's into on the switch, Super Mario, uh, Odyssey has some like two dimensional levels. So like old school Mario. And he, a couple weekends ago, encouraged me to hook the old Nintendo up to the TV so he could try his hand at the original Mario. That's so cool. It's a yeah. passing of a baton in a sense. Yeah. It, it is. And, it, and it's been kind of fun kind of revisiting some of the games that, uh, you know, you and I played when we were small. So, yeah, it's still hooked up to the TV. Just, you know, just say cool. it tomorrow. <laughs> nice. Nice. Anyway, um, anything we, else we want to hit before we dive into stuff from last episode um let's let's dive on in all right previously on previously on previously on if memory serves so last month when we were talking about uh art bell um i meant to point out that his intro song uh is called the chase by uh an early electronic music pioneer named giorgio moroder 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 i don't know um, but the song was used in the film Midnight Express. And thanks to my friend John, uh, who I do the podcastica with, um, a version of this song was actually the entrance music for an 80s wrestling tag team uh, called Midnight Express. Wait a second. Wasn't that the movie about like torture in a Turkish prison or something? I don't know. I never saw it. You've never seen Midnight Express? I've never seen Midnight Express. I've heard about it, but I don't know what it's. Yeah, I have no idea what it's about. That is so weird. Anyway, okay. <laughs> Um, there's the, actually even, there's even a Spotify playlist of all the songs that aren't used as bumper music, <laughs> oh, geez. um, which, which is all well and good if you love the entirety of those songs. But if you like just hearing like the small part that he uses bumper music, the playlist actually isn't that impressive. <laughs> um, now Seb, remind me, we were kind of doing a little bit of like post episode paranormal research with within our family we've actually had a family member way in the past who experienced ball lightning is that correct yeah that's right uh, in the last episode folks you might remember we talked about our childhood obsession with um, all things paranormal and uh, when it came to my brother and i i mean we had some stories about personal experiences but nothing really uh super interesting except for the fact that i forgot to mention that our great great aunt eulalie eldridge in florida was once hit on her toe by ball lightning during a Florida lightning storm. Of course, ball lightning is one of these weird phenomenon that is kind of um, maybe not so much uh, supernatural, but preternatural. Um, it's something that I think most scientists agree exists, but they're un, un, they're divided on, as to the cause. Apparently, it's a form of plasma like a lightning bolt, but which exists as a sphere or ball, maybe the size of a uh, basketball that can float and bounce around environments um, and uh, apparently uh, explode by hitting the toes of people named Eulily in Florida, which <laughs> I don't know if I'm more excited about that or the fact that we have a relative that was named Eulily, uh, which is pretty exciting. In those and of those are both pretty exciting things. Do we, do we know which toe? Was it a big toe, a small toe? I, I don't know. Toe? 
you know, I asked mom if, uh, cause, cause the story comes from our great grandmother, Willie Eldridge, who Correct. we affectionately called Allah in the family. Um, and this was, uh, Allah's husband's brother's wife. Um, Eulalie's daughter was Marianne, who I don't know if you remember, but we okay. visited in the early nineties. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, the, I asked mom, I'm like, mom, did, did Allah say it, did it like blow her toe off or something like that? And she said, no, it just made her howl, you know? So I guess it was painful, but not, uh, to the, to the extent that it would, uh, cause serious uh, bodily damage. So, uh, anyway, that's, uh, that's something we wanted. And, and this is great because this is a family story that, you know, if not for my mother, I don't know if anybody else in the family remembers this story. So now it's kind of down on record, so to speak. Uh, yeah, and, uh, for sure. Yeah, you know, ones and zeros. Um, exactly. Well, neat. Next, coming up in the news, um, I we were both fans of Transformers back in the day. <clears throat> After an incredibly long time, and I will have a link to the story in the show notes, music from the Transformers cartoons is finally getting an official release. You will be able to buy it on your preferred form of media and listen to the music of the transformers which apparently is more than just the theme song that's awesome i wonder if it's going to have any of the music from the 1986 animated feature film the transformers i don't know but i i, I seem to remember when i first read this article and that admittedly was a number of weeks ago now that it was just from the show but i could be wrong about that okay well, that's that's great news, man. Yeah, yeah. And since we recorded last, um, Toys R Us has gone out of business. Right. Which is kind of heartbreaking. It Definitely, definitely. Um, so we previously reported that they were going to be closing a number of stores, and it looked like, you know, our haunted Sunnyvale one was going to escape unscathed. And then, well, no, they filed bankruptcy. They're all closing. They're all going out of business currently, and we are going to try to get over to the haunted toys r us one and and hopefully record something while we're there um to share with all of you maybe we'll do think, a, a live evp session right ghost adventures is on we'll, we'll do that I, I, w I would really hope that we can pull something like that together I, I really wish i knew um like a closing date or something it seems like it's pretty kind of still unclear at this point at least for that location so Stay yeah. tuned, folks. Yeah, stay tuned. Definitely, we will. Uh, maybe we can try and do some research and uh, uh, find out. I mean, maybe I can just try to make a call over there and be like, "Hey, look, you were my childhood Toys R Us growing up, and I want to try and come in one last time before you close. Do you have any idea?" <laughs> and communicate with the undead. <laughs> well, I wasn't exactly going to share that with them. We, we'll if you just... want to, if you want to breach the spirit world, press three. <laughs> <laughs> for nice. returns press four <laughs> sorry no that was fantastic um also speaking of of closures uh you know if you go back to our episode about the mall we talked about valco mall up in uh cupertino um and that unfortunately a week ago closed permanently Right. Yeah, it's another one of the uh, infamous uh, and unfortunately numerous dead malls or dying malls across America. And it finally, uh, I think the last um, business in there was a movie theater, which finally closed, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, then um, that, that, that admittedly, that movie theater kind of kept that mall on life support for a long time. And uh, now they yeah. finally removed the feeding tube and let it go. 
Yeah, I'm, my my I think you probably agree with me. My bet it's is it's uh, going to become housing. I mean, you have so many you know high value companies in such a short you know geographic distance from that site. It's such a large site, and there's such a housing crunch right now. Yeah, in the Bay Area, I think that's probably what's going to end up happening. Oh yeah, I I would be I would be shocked if it didn't become housing, um, which is on the one hand understandable, on on the other hand also I think kind of unfortunate. I mean that 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 property literally is spitting distance from the new Apple campus. And even where I work in, in San Jose, you know, any business park that's been shuttered for a long time is getting bought up and converted into housing as plus we've got BART going in not too far from where I work. So that's a big draw too. Did you say it was spitting distance from the Apple headquarters or the whatever? New, the new Apple campus, the big like spaceship yeah. looking one. Yeah, totally. I'd probably spit on that campus. <laughs> So yeah, that, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Uh, fair, fair. I, yeah. I'll I'll give you that. Um, you know, I, I think I'll definitely miss the uh, the TGI Fridays that was there. Oh yeah, I had ma- had many a good meal at that Friday. Right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <sighs> well, shall we get into it this time? On, if memory serves. Let's do it. All right. So, our topic this month uh, is. Movies that we saw way before we should have, or as I like to call it, movies our parents let us see when we were way too young. (laughs) Um, But Seb, you came up with a really good criteria for kind of like gauging how to like rate these. What did what did you come up with? Because I liked it a lot. Well, I yeah when 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 we when we first started talking about doing this topic, there were a lot of things that immediately came to my mind. The first was how this is the first episode I feel that we're really exploring childhood emotions that weren't always necessarily um, super happy emotions, which I think is interesting and important because yeah, of course, be a everybody's lot of, a lot of therapy this, this episode. Right. And I think that the, um, the topic, I really want to try to unpack this, especially for you, because personally, when I heard about this topic, I had a, range of emotions that came in waves. And the first range was the fact that I felt that a lot of the films I saw when I was a little kid, um, I really enjoyed. And there were very few films that um, I felt scared me or made me feel uneasy. Um, I actually, uh, when we first started talking about this topic, I, I, I felt a little maybe overprotective of mom and dad in the sense that I wanted to kind of defend their parenting skills in a sense. Mm-hmm. And I got to the point where I thought, okay, well, I, I, I will have stuff to say in this episode if I think about it in the terms of, you know, what films did I see as a child that were rated R that I saw before I was 17 years old? Or what films did I see that were rated PG-13 that I saw before I was 13 years old? I thought, okay, that's criteria I could use. And then I kind of, I eventually about a week ago came to a realization that the best way to look at this, at least for me, was hypothetically, if I had to babysit my six-year-old nephew, Perrin, your son, <laughs> if I showed him any films that I saw when I was a child, if w- would any of those films, would I feel any guilt about that? Um, and I think that if I look at it through that lens, then I think I'm really on board with this topic. But I really, really want to hear more about what you feel about this topic and, and see how you unpack this idea. Well, and, and we'll kind of explore it because, I mean, we've got some of the same titles as as we go along. Um, suffice it to say, anything you wanted to show, Perrin, you would probably run past us first. I'll, I'll be honest. Um, 
you know, not that we're super duper overprotective parents, but we at least like to screen some stuff first because I, we have noticed that much like me, um, yeah, he gets a little emotional and a little sensitive. He gets drawn into movies. Right. And, uh, when something happens to a character, he, he really feels it. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, I think, I think this is a good way of, of looking at it. I mean, the way that I came at it was like, okay, what, what movies do I look back and was there something that freaked me out or affected me in such a way that it um, influenced how I watched other films Okay. down the road? Like, if was there something that had senseless violence that, you know, triggered me that, you know, if I see it in another movie, I just, it's like I go back. And Mm -hmm. I'm I'm that kid again. And I'm just like, I can't handle this kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think definitely I have memories as a child of of us being both nervous, but you being a little, maybe a little bit more nervous, maybe us on vacation at Yosemite, there might be a lightning storm. And, you know, um, I think there were, you know, sometimes there would be barfing uh, (laughs) because of the nerves. Um, Yeah. I would, uh, I would, I would throw up from anxiety. Um, right. I, I was very much a worrier. Not not uh, not to say that I didn't throw up from anxiety either. I remember throwing up on the trip over to see the Transformers the animated film in 1986 actually. Yes. Um I which, very very clearly remember that. I don't know why. Right. So I'm not like I guess I'm not pointing fingers or anything, but no. I think for me like I was definitely more into grody stuff than you were. Yes. Um I as a child, I was fascinated for some reason being at the supermarket and being in the uh, butcher section. And sometimes they would have um, fish for sale that you could buy. But it wasn't like a fillet of a fish. It was like the full head, scales, eyeball, everything. And I was I would incessantly harass mom and I would encourage her to purchase one of these so we could hang it up in the tree in the backyard and I could study and watch how it would decompose and I would see its skeleton, really? which I think. Oh, yeah. I think if you think about that, that's probably like one tick below, like when children like abuse small animals, you know, Mm, I I think that's a few ticks away from, you know, that level of stuff. But I I figured you'd just be influenced by the song Fish Heads. Fish Heads, Fish Heads, Roly Poly Fish Heads, Fish Heads, Fish Heads, Eat Them Up Yum. No, I mean, I, I can remember, remember when we were in public school and we had to dissect frogs? Oh, yeah. I brought the frog home in a Tupperware jar and I hooked it up with electrodes to like um, like a D battery to see what? if it would like hop around. And of course it didn't, you know, but I thought, oh, you know, I'm going to like, you know, revolutionize science or something like that. And all it did was just kind of smoke and sizzle a little bit. So anyway, I, I unplugged it and I put it back in the Tupperware thing and I left it in my our bedroom all summer long, actually. Oh, what? What? Yeah, that's a that's what? 100% true story. I don't remember know? this at all. That, that's, that's 100% true story. I don't remember this at all. Um, and you know what? It's kind Ew. of like... Anyway, but I think... I, I guess what I'm trying to say is as we go through the episode tonight, I think we're going to find a lot of films that, that you had... Um, that you were scared of that today you're still kind of maybe you don't enjoy watching them whereas maybe I as a child I was scared of them but now I really enjoy them or something so I'm just kind of trying to set the stage I guess yeah yeah we'll we'll definitely see because there are some that you know I I know I can't handle there are others where I look back and I'm like wow that really just that didn't hold up well but you know this is interesting because this is almost the ultimate psycho psycho uh sociological experiment because you and I 
We share the same DNA, the same parenting skills that we were raised with. We, we lived in the same house, the same TV. This is the ultimate battle of nature versus nurture. We might actually break <laughs> some scientific ground tonight by examining oh these very issues. Well, I'm if excited. There's, if there's anybody listening who has even a modicum of background in science, let us know how we did. Um, well, why don't why don't we start with? Um, oh gosh, I don't know. Why don't we just start with one that that kind of is a little obvious for me? Uh, the 1983 Matthew Broderick film War Games. Okay. Um, I don't know about you, but I grew up in the 80s, terrified of nuclear war breaking out. Okay. I mean, that, that was a huge thing. Like, you remember the Winchells down at the end of Tillman? That's like now a like a Pizza Hut. Pizza Hut. Mm-hmm. Right? And there was an air raid siren on mm-hmm. that corner mm-hmm. outside that building. Do you, I mean, do oh, you, yeah. Do you remember air raid siren tests in the 80s? I do remember air raid siren tests. My um, God. I, I was more frightened by the sirens, by like the, the sight of the siren. Like, we might be driving around, or when we would go to our grandmother's house, mm-hmm. there was an air raid siren on the corner. In fact, yeah. it's actually still there. It's one of the few ones still in San Jose oh, standing. Really? Yeah. Huh. Um, and I would always get nervous because of the thought that, you know, it's not going off right now, but like, what if I start to see it go off or hear it start to hear it go off? You know, it's like, you know, we're probably in for some serious trouble or something. But um, Yeah, it, you know, for, for me, for me, at least today, I, I can rewatch war games and kind of look at it more nostalgic. It's like, oh, look, it's a 300 baud modem. Oh, look, he's got a <laughs> dial up, you know, and and that very kind of quickly takes me out of the anxiety I felt um, uh-huh. as a kid watching that. Now, as a kid watching that, I mean, 1983 was also I think 1983 was also the year that that. um Oh my God, for the life of me, I can't remember the name of that TV movie. What was it called? The Day After? Oh, right. That was a famous right. one. And that, and that was huge. I mean, that that was just, you know, sensational um, uh, stuff with with the threat of nuclear war and the tensions of the Cold War at the time. Um, so I had all these pre-existing fears built mm-hmm. up. And then and then to, to watch a movie which, you know when I saw it, you know, instead of going, you know, oh, hey, look at this quote unquote hacker kid, you know, and he doesn't realize what he's doing. I went, oh, God, somebody could be doing that and not realize what they're doing and okay. freaking kill us all. Right. <laughs> you know, so, so now, yeah, go ahead. Do you, does this film, like if you watched it today, would you still feel kind of uneasy? Or? No, honestly, no. I wouldn't. I mean, what, reading the news makes me more uneasy mm-hmm. about a nuclear exchange than watching War Games does. Okay. Uh, War Games has been one of those movies that has kind of like, you know, aged into a touch of that uh, 80s nostalgia. Like I said, it's like, oh, here's dial-up stuff. Oh, look, monochrome green screens. Shall we play a game? You know, stuff like that. Um, It is thankfully something that I can kind of look back on and not kind of have this PTSD about, so to speak. Okay, yeah. Um, But it is something that when I think about it and when I think about when I saw it as a kid and and, and all my my intense fears um, of dying in nuclear hellfire, um, you know, it, it was... It was definitely something that I think had I been, you know, even just two years older, 
I would have had a better perspective about. Did we see it in the theater? Do you think? Do you see? Do you think we saw it on television? I'm, I'm pretty sure that we saw it on television. Uh, I know okay. we've mentioned before that we were kind of, you know, our family was sneaking HBO on the sly mm-hmm. um, back in the day, and I'm pretty sure that is how we saw it. One of the things, not to go on a fun tangent, but hmm. um, one of the things that I thought was really weird about our TV setup in hmm. the '80s um, in the family home was the fact that our, for lack of a better word, cable service or whatever, um, I, I assumed that there were only um, the TV channels that we had access to. There was an what's called an A side and a B side. Yeah. And if you wanted to watch a TV show on Channel Six. There were actually two channel sixes. There was a six A and a six B. Yeah. And I can only imagine that that was a system because there were more than a hundred channels and the thing could only have two digits displayed. That's the only thing. Cause the thing is I've actually gone online. I've talked to people mm-hmm. and whenever I talk about television channels in the 1980s, having an A side or a B side, people look at me like I'm crazy. Like, I don't know if this was a very regional thing or very unusual technology but like you're one of the only people on this planet that I can talk about something about ch- being, you know, CBS being on five A rather than five B, and people don't look at me sideways. But anyway, yeah, I, I, I don't know honestly. I've, I've never really researched the whole, um, or tried to research the whole history on the A side B side thing. Yeah. And I honestly, I don't really know if that was used much outside of let's say the San Francisco Bay area, it might've even just been the South Bay. It may have just been our, our part of the Bay area. I literally don't know. Um, but if anybody out there remembers a sides and B sides, let us know. And and especially if you're not in the San Francisco Bay area, if you grew up in like Chicago or Madison, Wisconsin or whatever, and you guys had a sides and B sides, let us know because I'd, I'd be very Please. curious. I would die to know. But curious. Hey, War Games, such a great choice on your part, I think, because I think a lot of our episodes, there's a subcurrent of how the Cold War either directly or indirectly influenced a lot of our pop culture memories. Oh, most definitely. Um, really interesting, too. You know, it's a movie came out in 83. It was rated PG, which is interesting because the rating for PG-13 wasn't introduced until the following year. That's right. And I think a lot of the films we might talk about tonight were actually rated PG, but strictly speaking, you could almost think that they may have merited a PG-13 when you think about it, but they just predated that uh, rating system. So. Yeah, exactly. And if I'm not mistaken, I think um, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom was the first PG-13 film. I think you might be right. Yeah. I, I Something was, something in the back of my head is saying that. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what do you Great got on choice. your list? Well, I actually wanted to start a little lower down the uh, rating scale with a G-rated film. Okay. Uh, <laughs> because I think I think um, some of the films that I chose tonight fall into different categories, and this is a category of films of films that made me feel uneasy. That um, they made me feel uneasy because they played off of some of my childhood fears that maybe other children wouldn't have had. Mm-hmm. So. I'm going to talk about a film that was rated G, and of course, because it's rated G, you think the average person isn't going to be offended or frightened by this film, but in my case, it actually did. And in fact, of all the films on my list tonight, and even I think on your list, this is the only film that if I watched today, I would still feel uneasy at some point. Really? Oh yeah, this of course is the 1976 musical Bugsy Malone starring Jodie Foster, and I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that I'm terrified of this film because it was Scott Bayo's first ever film role. But that's well, not the case. Well, that is pretty scary. But 
I I uh, have actually amazingly fond memories. Wow. No. Of yeah. this movie, and that that may just be an evident of just the the two and a quarter age years uh, age difference between us. It might be. I mean, of course, the film, basically, in a nutshell, it's a 20s era gangster tale, but played with an all child cast. But the children are playing adult roles. But but they the, had cars that they could pedal. That yeah, was awesome. The cars in the I they weren't real cars. Car they like were that. pedal cars. <laughs> the machine guns didn't shoot bullets. They shoot like cream pies. So it was this kind of it was trying to be cutesy, you know, kind of fun, you know, lighthearted. It's a weird but movie. I, in that I sense. could. I couldn't handle it for a lot of reasons. First of all, I think there's a lot of adults that think that um, films that are very magical uh, capture a child's imagination. When I was a child, if I saw a film and something in it didn't make sense because it was magical, it actually kind of bothered me because I actually kind of wanted to know why this film wasn't obeying the laws of the universe as I knew them. Uh Almost kind of like how Perrin, my nephew, your son, didn't like the fact that he could never see Dr. Claw's face in the Inspector Gadget cartoon sure. show. He's like, you know, he's being rational in a sense. It's like, yeah. you know, everybody has a face. Why don't I see his face? Right. Um, but my big childhood phobia was I couldn't stand the thought of a world without adults. Um, I was talking to mom about this before the, recording this episode. Apparently, when I was about two, I was terrified of the idea of a clown coming up to our car when we were driving around and either taking me away from the family or taking mom and dad away from us, which is a really bizarre thing. It was always a clown. It was never just like a random stranger. And it was only in the car. A clown? I don't know. I know that one of the films we're going to talk about tonight is Poltergeist, which of course famously features a scary clown doll. Mm. And I asked mom about that. And she said, well, well, I was scared of Poltergeist, but this fear, this phobia predated that film's release. I wonder if it was that lamp we had. It might have been the lamp. I was wondering if it was some of the the plastic clown head top cake toppers on some of my birthday cakes when I was a kid. <laughs> like the, the um, Baskin Robbins ones or something. Yeah, yeah. I was definitely trying to lay down on the couch and self analyze myself. But um, so anyway, so I had this fear of of children existing in a world without parents, basically. And this film captured that perfectly because it's an all child cast, and so even though I don't think probably anybody else on this planet would be frightened by this film. It scares the heebie-jeebies out of me. So I can definitely think of some kids cartoons today that would probably give you that same feeling. Cause it's like, where are the adults? Have you, ever read, have you ever read Lord of the flies? Yeah. I mean, sort of Lord of the Fro- Lord, Lord of the flies. I mean, Charlie Brown didn't really scare me. Cause even though you really didn't see the adults, you still heard the wah wah. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, you could hear you the know, trumpet voices. <laughs> right. I mean, Muppet babies, that was still a little weird, but at least you got to see Nanny's like um, legs, right? You know her socks, so yeah. you knew she existed, I guess. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Anyway, so Bugsy Malone—that's the top of my list. That's the scariest thing out there for me. So literally the scariest of everything on your list. That is still the scariest. Yeah, of wow. all the films on my list and your list, if I watched all of them, that would be the one that would make me—not scare me, but make me feel uneasy. I guess I should say. But even then, of every everything on both our lists, that would leave you yeah. the most uneasy. Wow. Oh yeah. Wow. I can I can watch Poltergeist at least once a month and <sighs> just love it and just <sighs> but not be scared but just like you know like I love looking at the, all the all the crazy eighties toys in that movie. There's so many reasons I love that film today. But okay. anyway, so well, why don't we talk about Poltergeist then? 1982 okay. with sequels okay. in '86 and '88. Um, yeah, man, Poltergeist was one of those films that, like, when we first came up with this topic, 
with the exception of one other movie that we'll talk about later, this was the first movie to come to mind mm-hmm. for me. This just, well, let's see. I was, let's say, about six when it came out. I was probably eight when I saw it. Okay. Um, so it was probably about 84 when I saw it. Uh, that is, if memory serves. Ta-da. Um, but yeah, it, it, it absolutely freaked me out for as much as i love the paranormal today for as much as i'm like yeah let's go find some ghosts um at eight years old seeing this family just like tortured and um out of control right i think that's what it was i think there was this absolute lack of control. you were at the mercy of the spirits terrorizing this house Right. They could make your furniture move around. They could steal you through a wall. They could take you to this other dimension. Um, That idea of being out of control Mm. just scared the ever living crap out of me. And what's funny is that talking with mom, um, they came over a couple weeks ago because they wanted to see the kids and stuff. And, And I mentioned that we were bringing up this topic and I had mentioned poltergeist. And she, mom literally said, she's like, really? I totally saw it as this movie of this family coming together to, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, fight their way through this and everything. And I was like, nope, nope, didn't see that at all. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I was absolutely terrified by it. I did not. Nope, nope, didn't. I mean, I can see it now. I can see it today, mm-hmm. you know, with the perspective of being an adult. But at that age, oh, hell no. That is not how I saw that movie. Are there any scenes in particular that you remember from our childhood that stuck out in your mind as the most oh, traumatic or scariest? Or... <clears throat> you know, I think I think I think the classic, you know, they're here scene. Um, like I, I still, as much as I, I actually kind of like the white noise effect of static, mm-hmm. the sound of it. You know, like there are some days where I will just I'll tune in some random shortwave station just to have background noise while I work. Okay. Um. The actual seeing static on a screen, I, I don't like looking at that for too long. Wow. I don't, like, if I were to literally just stare at mm-hmm. a staticky screen on a TV, not that we even really get that anymore in this digital age, but, you know, take it as you will, um, it, it, it unnerves me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm, it, it's like my mind almost starts to expect to see shapes. You know, I, I talk And to... I don't want to. No, no, no. I, I talked to mom too about this. Um, I think she did does remember us seeing this when we were children, and, and remembers us being scared of it, and remembers not wanting us to watch it again. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it, I guess, I guess one thing I want to say um, about mom and dad is, in certain regards, I think they were really good in terms of um, uh, ex- exercising parental discretion because um, there's a lot of films that children of our age grew up with. Um, like Nightmare on Elm Street and yeah. the 13th. They're really gory slasher stuff. Yeah, yeah. And not only did I never see those when I was a kid, but up until relatively late in life, I didn't even know they existed. So, I mean, on one hand, I want to say that I think mom and dad did a really good job of preventing us from seeing a lot of these scary, you know, movies. You sure, know? yeah. Um, but I think that uh, for Polter, the thing about Poltergeist, I've seen it so many times and I've had so many thoughts and feelings about the film it's difficult to, for me to realize which of those memories are from our childhood and which are from like my twenties or something. Yeah. And I think, I think the parts of the film that I can remember being like wigged out about 
when I was a child. There's one infamous scene where the actor Martin Casella rips his face apart and he's staring into a mirror. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that that kind of was weird. And also, there's a right around, right around that same scene. Um, he has a he has a he's he having a midnight snack basically. He's raiding the fridge and he takes a steak out of the fridge and it's like. There's a scene where it's like full of maggots or something like mm-hmm. that. And I definitely remember being a kid and being really grossed out by that. So oh, sure, those are sure. And there was, my- uh, there was a scene, I want to say it was toward the end, where I don't remember which character or characters. They they, they could like fall into the pool. But, you know, obviously it's it's empty, but it, it's it's like full of skeletons. Oh, yeah, the mother. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, I, that, and that, that ugh, ugh, it just even now, you know, I, I, I kind of have this reaction to that oh, thought. Really? Oh, yeah. I, I, I've read that those were actually like, um, you know how some medical schools would use real skeletons? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've, I've read that those are actually real. They're not like props. They're not made of plastic. Those are actual human skeletons. There's, I mean, there's all. I don't know if that's true, but that's what Sorts of stories and, you know, a, a, a alleged curse uh, around this movie as well. And I, I remember a few years ago, it was, uh, I think they were having the. Um, uh, 25th or you know 30th anniversary of the film having come out and um i forget which site that i i follow they had like a you know a story on it and they they showed the original trailer um Mm -hmm. and it had some behind the scenes featurettes on some of the special effects okay um which admittedly do not hold up you know you watch it today you don't think so oh no okay no no those special effects you know really kind of are a little cheesy um you, you don't like the scene opinion. where like you don't like the part when like he the he-man doll is like floating around in the air or anything <laughs> okay all right all right oh. uh the uh, use of the use of blue screen and chroma key you know only works to a certain extent no i'll t- i'll tell you this rewatching the trailer okay right the theatrical trailer for it um it was a little triggering it was like oh 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 yeah, I mm. feel uncomfortable seeing okay. the behind-the-scenes little featurettes uh, that were included on that article. Actually, helped a little bit. It kind of helped take that step back and go, "Okay, this is just theater. This is just you know, this is just Hollywood." Um, okay. And just to see kind of how they tried to do some of these effects and everything. Um, uh, but yeah, it was something that even at that time I was like, "Wow, I haven't thought about this movie in so many years." And you know what? Yeah, I'm okay with that. It can stay over here. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not looking to rewatch this movie. Okay, okay, definitely. <clears throat> I feel bad. I feel bad that, no. that that for you. I mean, for it's for me. I can watch that movie tonight. I mean, and just enjoy oh. myself. I'll be happy as a clam. You know. Now, now, of course, oddly enough, after we're done recording, I'm totally planning to go sit down and watch Ghost Adventures. Oh yeah, me too. You yeah. know, I'll go gladly watch that. But you give me. <laughs> poltergeist and i'm gonna be like eh, no no yeah i'm gonna go watch diners drive-ins dies or something completely mindless and you know fluffy <laughs> that now, don't get me wrong guy fieri is a little scary sometimes <laughs> yeah, too but... yeah uh, <laughs> but in a different way <sighs> oh my oh boy what next what should we do um let's talk about let's talk about a film that's on both our lists let's talk about time bandits okay um All time right. bandits rated rated pg came out in 1981 um, and I think, you know, earlier I talked about how I really didn't like films that portray children without adults yes. in their lives. Um, this film, the very ending of this film is what still kind of freaks me out a little bit. Absolutely. Um, and I'm right there with you. A hundred percent. 
the, the, the kid in the movie, the character of Kevin, I think he was played by an actor named Craig Warnock. Um, basically, he travels through time. It's it's a Terry Gilliam film, so there's a lot of science fiction and fantasy in and, it. And, and definitely a lot of like mind-bending Mind-bending stuff. stuff. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's kind of very typical of his work. Um, the very end of the film, Kevin is back in his uh, normal everyday English home with his English parents and there's a smoldering rock in their family toast family's toaster oven is it a toaster actually, oven or a microwave toaster it's something like a microwave or okay. a toaster oven it's a, some sort of kitchen appliance um and it's actually a, a fragment of pure evil um which go you know it relates to the plot of the film um and uh kevin the child warns his parents not to touch it um and there's like uh because it's smoking there's like a fire a fire brigade has come to try to they think it's a kitchen fire they want mm-hmm. to put it out yeah and the parents touch this rock which is actually pure evil um and because i assume it's pure evil the parents both explode yeah and only their shoes are left yeah and and it's i mean how terrifying is that right for a child um, to see the I'm, parents I'm, I'm having feels right now let's, like, and then, let's put it that way yeah and then and then the firemen they're like okay the fire's over and they they just leave they don't like you know, they don't call child social services. You know, they don't call an ambulance for the, the parents. It's like this kid is just left by himself. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. like... And if I'm not mistaken, uh, that, that final shot, it literally is just this scene kind of dispersing and the camera pulls back. Yeah. I mean, as a child, know? I mean, I was horrified. And it's like, if I watched Time Bandits, it wouldn't mess today. If I watched it tonight, it would mess me up in the way that Bugsy Malone would mess me up. Mm-hmm. But the ending would mess me up just as much as any part of Bugsy Malone, I think. Yeah, um, I, so. I I completely agree with you, one hundred percent. That the ending of that film greatly affected me, and that is, um, you know, any any time I can watch a movie and and very easily uh, put myself in the 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 feeling, put myself in the shoes of of the character being affected by something whatever that may be okay. um you know or or like sometimes i mean i get it movies in some ways it's just mindless entertainment but there are times where i will get sucked in enough where it's like oh oh wait no this this thing just happened this person's like life track just ended here in my mind are all the ripples it's a f- having or it's going to have on all these people connected to this person. And, and I just, I get, my mind just gets worked into this like endless feedback loop of just, Oh, but then this, and then this, and then this, and then this, and it just cascades. Huh, and, and I just go, you know, my mind just blue screens at that point. Um, and, I, it's, and, I think it sounds like you have better, greater empathy. You have a great deal of empathy because you can put yourself in the shoes of another person. It sounds like, yeah, I mean, I, I like to think of myself as being that way. I mean, am I always, I don't know, but, um, I, and, and maybe that's, maybe that's almost more a testament to the filmmakers. If they can, you know, portray a story in a way that, that pulls me in that much, you know, um, one good job, but two, you're effing up my head. Um, uh-huh. you know, because I'm getting so drawn in and, and, um, you know, feeling these, 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 these grandiose feelings by, what you're doing <laughs> to the characters uh-huh, um uh-huh. and it it is it's overwhelming and then you know from that point on i try to avoid films that that appear to have um similar situations and okay. and there there are sometimes where i can totally 
disassociate myself from stuff. I was able to watch over six seasons of The Walking Dead mm-hmm. and not really feel anything. Mm-hmm. But then, frankly, it just was the same crap over and over again. And I'm like, I don't really care what happens to these characters. They could all die. And I don't mm. care. I'm like, I don't want to watch this anymore. Yeah. And gave up on it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, though, I think for me <clears throat> at some point, like scary movies, like if it's a movie about like a, like a zombie or a monster, mm-hmm. like part of, part of me isn't really like, I like that stuff, but I don't think I'm scared by it. Like, I think the things that are really scary in life are like maybe more mundane, like, I don't know, kidney failure or something like that. Like if there was a movie about kidney failure, I don't think I'd touch it with a 10 foot pole. There's there's a a sure sign of us getting older. Right. right. Yeah. I'm not afraid of monsters anymore, but man, getting sick. Yeah. Good. Um, No, I get it though, because there is, there is an extra element of realism. Kidney failure happens to people. Cancer happens to people, you know, Um, death and disease happens to people. Zombies. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> could Not happen. Wood. Skynet. Not yet. Well, it could happen. Um, now, Time Bandits, that, this must be a film that we didn't see in the theaters. We must have seen it on, on like HBO or something. I I'm, I'm pretty think. sure it, it was either that or a rental from Curtis Mathis. Okay. Okay. Uh, it was one of those two, which which I'm sure many of these were. Okay. Um, but yeah, that was... And, and Terry Gilliam does some really you know, bonkers off the wall stuff. I mean, I actually, for the most part, really loved Brazil. Oh yeah. No, um, I, I love his work. You know, it's just, I think that's Aaron the only Munchausen. time. Yeah. It's just, this was the only scene in any of his films that I think actually frightened me. Maybe, you know, no, and, and, and rightly so. I mean, nobody wants their parents blowing up. Totally. You know, and, and for the record, people don't stick chunks of evil in household appliances. <laughs> that's just not the right place for them. There's proper <laughs> cooking instructions on the package. <laughs> follow them so i think it's your turn now i think i, I think uh yeah um oh boy got? well let's let's follow the the gilliam line uh into monty python's the meaning of life <laughs> okay i think this might be our first uh uh r-rated film of the night uh poltergeist was pg probably yeah yeah, yeah. okay um oh, on the whole i mean let me take a step back from what I was about to say. Monty Python. Bloody love these guys. Okay? Uh-huh. Monty Python on the whole is great. Monty Python's Flying Circus I will watch all day long with pleasure and delight. Um, I've introduced the kids to just a little bit of Monty Python. Um, wow. Want it, just a little bit. Just the Gumbies. Um, which they think is absolutely uproarious. Um, but I don't you know, I obviously want to get all the family involved before we really introduce them to it. Holy Grail, magnificent. Mm-hmm. Absolutely magnificent. You know, stuff like the the Black Knight and losing all his limbs doesn't bother me one bit. Wow. Okay. Doesn't bother me one bit. And even when his arms are spurting blood, you can very easily tell just how, that's not actual blood, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, as time went on for Monty Python, I think like with probably many comedy groups they're like okay well we've we've done this 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 and this what's next what is above this what pushes that envelope further okay um and something like life of brian hilarious yes let's take the piss out of religion the meaning of life however got a little over the line for me 
Okay. Um, and and really only one scene of it sticks out for me as like, okay, yep, I did not see this at the at the right age. Okay. Um, and it's it's a scene where um oh my god and i can't remember his name now oh gosh well one of the one of the guys is playing a character who's gone into a restaurant yeah i knew you were gonna say it yeah well, of course gonna i was gonna it. say that I mean, wait for then <laughs> and and he literally he eats himself to the point of exploding yep yep um and and i you know i might just have to go with the explicit tag here but that fucked me up really that that did i i i have spent much of my life being overweight okay. food is comfort to me okay that really and and i tell you right now on a ketogenic diet where you have to eat low carb like really low carb but then you're having feelings and you're like i need to combat these feelings with food it's really tough to be like i can't just go grab a you know thing of fries anymore uh-huh. um so this idea of excess to the point of harming yourself. Yeah. Let's phrase it that way. Um, I think it was Terry Jones. Terry Jones. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I know there was a J sound and I was like, I can't, it's not clicking. Where is it in my head? I can name yeah. all the rest of them, but not Terry Jones. Right. Thank you. Cool. Um, and just coming off of Terry Gilliam, I think that was messing me up. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway. Yes. Terry Jones. Um, and yeah, that, but that, that, that sort of excess to the point of, harming yourself mm-hmm. um is like even now just talking about it is is just deeply entrenched in me as as just bad <laughs> well i mean in your defense it was pretty gross i mean yeah it, it 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 it's it's kind of like i don't know how well how well you remember um max headroom mm-hmm. sure okay and i know we're we're jumping between movies and tv here um and we'll, we'll i'm sure we'll talk about it more but you know the ads what was it it was like zigzag or zigzag or something and it was like they compressed the entire like an entire 30 second commercial into like three seconds or something okay. and and the thing was is the ads it was overwhelming the brain and it literally was causing some viewers to explode Right. And I don't get me wrong. I love Max Hedrum. Right. I love okay. Max Hedrum. Okay. But again, being at this young age, now granted Max Hedrum is 87, I think. Okay. So I'm 10 now. Right. But I've had stuff like this <laughs> and another movie we're going to talk about here in a little bit um, to build this up in me. So when I, see this when they actually show oh here's cctv footage of this guy watching this commercial and kablam um i'm like oh god i can't handle this oh wow you know i i watched the rest of the series it was good series um i feel so bad that one bit no don't feel bad don't feel bad it's part of who i am it's 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 you know it just is. I I I know it now. I'm aware of it now. I I can accept it now. I know what to look for. You know, it it just is. Okay. You know, um. But yeah, that that idea of it it it's like like the film The Toy, which is also on my list. Mm-hmm. Which we might as well segue. Yeah, you want? Um, yeah, you want? Let's let's just do it. It is. I clearly, and it took a long time it's only been within the past couple years that i've really come to this realization where 
films like this, um, films that depict where, you know, here's this character and this character can have anything oh. they want. Oh, what is the film The Toy? Okay. The, uh, set, set the um, scene a little bit. Okay, the the toy is one of those um, Richard Pryor vehicles. I think it was Richard Pryor. Jackie Gleason was in it, mm-hmm. um, and um, uh, a young boy, child actor, uh, Scott Schwartz. I think is who it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but he played this super rich kid, and he could literally have any toy he wanted, and he did. And he was bored with them all. So the like the only next thing that he could go above and beyond was to literally have a person as a toy. Like slavery, effectively. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Um, and it was one of those things that... And, and how the movie and how the meaning of life of, you know affected me, how that manifested... Uh, it just manifested in really weird, weird ways. Like mm-hmm. we would be on um, like a road trip up to Pine Mountain Lake or, or okay. down to Porterville with the grandparents or something. Um, and we would stop in at a McDonald's, for example, right? It's road food. You got to grab something real quick. Okay. Um, and, you know, whoever, whatever adult figure we were with would say something like, you know, as we were getting in line and trying to figure out what we want. Okay, you can have whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, and here anything I am. on the menu. Right, anything right. on the menu. Exactly, and here I am looking at this menu, going like, "No, no, this is unacceptable. I'm, I, I shouldn't have anything I want." Mm-hmm. Because what if I just said, "Well, I want everything on the goddamn menu, mm-hmm. and I'm going to eat it all," mm-hmm. which I couldn't possibly. I mean, it's utterly irrational. Okay, and and I know that I wouldn't at that age be like, "Well." I want 87 chicken McNuggets uh-huh. with sauce, which I wouldn't have done at that age because I wasn't a sauce person. I am now, but that's another story. Um, <laughs> here's an episode all about being picky eaters. Maybe we'll do that someday. <laughs> um, but it, it was that that having too much choice, it, it my brain just would get overwhelmed by it, even though it totally was within my right to go, well, I don't want anything. I just want a plain hamburger, you know, Happy Meal or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't know at that age that I saw these films and had them affect me in the way that they did. I mean, this it is... took until I was in my late 30s to come to this realization of like, oh, wait a second. This and this is connected to this. Mm-hmm. And that all messed me up. And that messed me up for a really long time. This is really interesting for me for a, l- a number of reasons. Um, the first thing is, um, I up until a couple of years ago, when you told me about this film and how it impacted you, um, I, I, I was aware of this film's existence. Um, I have no memory of ever seeing it. So I don't know if it's something that I saw as a kid and just don't remember if only you saw. Um, also, I think it's really interesting because this is kind of like... Um, uh, this is your ver- your version of my Bugsy Malone in the sense that it's like kind of a kid's film or it's at least a film that a person might not normally think anybody would be frightened of or upset mm-hmm. by, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember when you told me about this a couple of years ago, there's actually a vintage toy show in San Jose um, called the San Jose Super Toy Show. And back in 2016, they usually have a lot of um, actors and 
characters show up and sign autographs. Yeah. And Scott Schwartz, the actor who was in the toy, uh, who of course later um, was in the film A Christmas Story, he's the kid that put his froze his tongue to the pole, the flagpole. Right. Um, and I think he later ended up going into adult films or something. <laughs> he really did, weird. actually, yes. Um, in 2016, in December, he was scheduled to sign autographs at the San Jose Super Toy Show. And I so wanted to go and buy an autographed photo of Scott and then, like, burn it with you as some sort of, like, cathartic ritual or something to kind of, like, try to, like, exercise these demons. Because I felt so bad when you told me about these yeah, issues. Yeah, no, you know no, what I, mean? I get it. I get it. Um and and I and I suppose that would would make sense if it was actually a picture of him from that movie, right? You know, a picture of him as, as an adult, it wouldn't do a damn thing. Um, it, it's kind of funny because at the same time, I was like, I just for whatever reason, I just kind of searched it up on eBay, and here's like a copy of the tape on on, on VHS for like six bucks, and I was like, no, 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 let's let's spend the money, let's get this, and 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 I'll just you know take it out into an empty parking lot somewhere with a baseball bat, and I'll just smash the <laughs> shit out of it. That would be um, awesome. And and um I've done neither. Um I, I, I don't necessarily feel like I've needed to. I mean it might just be for fun, just smashing stuff with baseball bats, but um I I think re making that connection, making that realization that um you know, these things have affected me in this way uh, has taken a lot of wind out of those sails. That's cool. um, and, and even talking about it with, with mom has been the kind of thing where she was like, you know, it, it never occurred to us that that, you know, say giving you that choice of like, oh, have whatever you want. But she's like, yeah, I, I can see how, you know, it can be better to say, OK, well, you can have this or this or this. There's three choices. Mm-hmm. Three is a much more manageable number than here's the entire menu, which admittedly wasn't a massive menu in the 80s. But be that as it may, you know, it just it's one of those things. I mean, that that was really kind of like the big the big unpacking mm-hmm. for me with with, you know, stuff that I saw when I was too young to really understand how it was affecting me and, and how okay. long it took for me to realize that. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So there. I want. Do you think it's the kind of thing like if someone's offering you any choice, it's almost like you're perceiving that the person who's offering you any choice is somehow struggling to manage that promise, and so you feel bad for their struggle. Um, no, I don't think so. Okay. Um, I I I get what you're saying, mm-hmm. though. That so it's not a guilt thing. No, I don't. No, not so much a guilt thing. Um, while, while I do understand it, and I and I can you know empathize with that scenario, mm-hmm. um, um, it it doesn't totally fit in my mind with with kind of where I'm coming from with that because you know I already kind of know that I wouldn't say hey I want everything on the menu. And then I'd be stressing that person out, and then I'd feel bad for stressing that person out because oh my god, now I got to make everything on the menu. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, coming at it from my point of view, there there wouldn't be this perception of like oh god, what if this kid wants everything um, for me to feel bad about? But I I understand what you're saying. I'm getting tongue tied now. No, I, I I get it. I get it. Um... And and I think big props for for you kind of talking about this, you know, because I think it's um, I think I think everybody has things when they're a kid that kind of 
um, stick with them in a, in a negative way, you know, mm-hmm. um, and not everybody gets to a point in their life where they're able to recognize it or, or deal with it, you know? Yeah. And, and unfortunately, I mean, I think it's, it's just become, you know, harder as, as we've moved on in years. I mean, I feel like I, I feel like I can start to see stuff like that in my kids. Um, but, but it's cool because you had that experience. So it's almost like you can relate to them. Do you know what well, I mean? Yeah. And help them out. And, and yeah. And I mean, I'm not saying like I'm watching them like, you know, turn neurotic or anything, but I feel like I can see times where, um, you know, just some, I'm trying to think of an example. I'm doing a terrible job. Um, but ju- just where something kind of like triggers a reaction. And so I, I make a point of being like, Hey, are you, are you okay? Did that, did that, whatever it was kind of freak you out? Do you want to talk about it a little bit and try, try to unpack it with them as best we can then. I'm just looking forward to the point in the year 2048 when um, my nephew Perrin hosts a podcast and he can talk about how terrified he was when his uncle Seb took him to the uh, Star Wars prop exhibit and he saw Jawas and they were truly terrifying. So, <laughs> uh, you know, not to. Uh, yeah, I'll be honest. I think half the time, you know, they wouldn't remember stuff unless we were like, hey, look at this thing in our Facebook memories. Do you remember when you did this? <laughs> <laughs> right. half your life ago when you were three yeah totally <laughs> you know we didn't we didn't really have that <laughs> okay uh, moving on what's next all right. well uh is it my turn or your turn uh let's call it your turn because i think we kind of meandered through like three different movies just for me okay well i'm going to shift gears a little bit we're still going to be talking about a film that maybe we saw a little too young but Maybe in a good way, because I think we should talk a little bit about DC Cab. Uh, uh, okay, yes, let's do this. Uh, let's, 1983. Let's, I think that's a good uh, idea. Let's get into rated, something light here. Rated R. Um, it definitely didn't scare me in any way. In fact, it probably had a lot of different emotional reactions in my body. <laughs> um, and and in in the one thing I want to emphasize more than anything other in this episode is how much I love my mother and my father and how much I think they did a great job raising us. And I don't, I wouldn't change anything for the world. I wouldn't, if I had the choice to go back in time and stop my little kid self from seeing any of these movies, I wouldn't. I'm glad that I saw all of these films because it helped make who I am. But hey, we, I got to fess up to the fact DC Cab was the first film that I ever saw a topless woman in. I uh, Let's be honest, DC Cab was the, the first, well, mine too, and, and also complete full frontal. Yeah, exactly. Which is probably um, that I think that happened about ten seconds after I saw my first topless lady. Uh, uh, I think in probably uh, both instances, the same actress, Mariah Shannon, who, according to the Internet Movie Database, didn't have much of else of a career. Oh, dear. Um, but um, it, and it's really kind of funny because I, I think about ten seconds after she she appears on screen, there's about a dozen other topless women in that kind of infamous scene. Of course, DC Cab. Uh, for for those of you who don't know, um, it was kind of a vehicle for a lot of stand-up comedians in the 1980s yes. um charlie barnett uh, gary Busey, mr t was in it um and they all played cabbies in in washington dc um, it was and, um and well and let's not forget adam baldwin who went on to do adam um, baldwin a number of stuff i mean my sci-fi nerds out there would also be like well yeah of course he's in firefly oh yeah um, i mean Mar- marcia warfield yes um Paul Rodriguez, yes. um, Bill Maher. I mean, the, the, there's actually a lot of talent in this film. There's the film had a lot the, of heart. The, the, the um, um, not the Piscopo uh, brothers. The um... oh, the Barbarian brothers. Yes, the, the Barbarian the, brothers. The wrestling team. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, all sorts of crazy stuff in this movie. It, 
really great film. A lot of heart. I still have super fond memories and watch it to this day. Well, and the amazing um, thing is, is it actually did not too many years ago finally get released on DVD. Right. You yeah, can totally. actually get this on DVD, people. Oh yeah. Oh, thank God. But God it, bless it, America. Yeah, but this was this was kind of like the bad news bears for comedians playing cabbies. I mean, this was you want to talk about a movie from the 80s that was like here we're gonna have some some 80s music and here's a montage yeah right? it's a great montage every movie. every good 80s movie has the music and montage of like yeah we're gonna fix up all these cabs and we're gonna repaint the building and we're gonna yeah. do this this movie has that this movie has movie. that in spades right. um and is definitely probably one of the few movies on either of our lists um, that I would gladly rewatch anytime, so long as the kids are definitely in bed and not yes. sneaking out the doors to watch. Um, because exactly. there's a lot, a lot of inappropriate stuff exactly uh, and, in and this I, movie, and that's why it makes this list. We definitely exactly. saw that movie a little too young. <laughs> exactly. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm not. Sh- I probably saw it in like probably eighty four, eighty five. I mean, not too long after it came out. Probably when probably, it was on HBO. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was rated R. So in that sense, I was too young, but I think uh, I turned out OK. Um, <laughs> I definitely included on my list or um, because I think that if I was babysitting a uh, six year old nephew, Perrin, and I threw this into the DVD player, I'd feel guilt, sort of guilty about it afterwards. I, Part I, of me would I'd like to be happy, you, but I would feel guilty feel too. a lot guilty. <laughs> um, now, I, I, I'm assuming this was the first film you ever saw a, um, um, a, a naked lady in uh in 84 yes okay yes i mean it's almost like more of a rite of passage more than anything else i mean I, I, can't, I think at this point in my life i'm not sure how i feel about the fact that the first topless woman i ever saw was sharing a scene with gary Busey. like i at like i don't know gary which Busey is... wasn't nude no yeah you know, I know, let's be glad it's... for that yeah but it's still kind of weird that part's kind of weird for me a little bit i don't know it is so... gary Busey. But um, yeah, could have been what a worse. Movie. I mean, it could have been Gilbert Godfrey, right? <laughs> Not that he's in the movie, but I mean, it could have been Gilbert Godfrey, right? <laughs> well, it could have been. I mean, you could have you could have switched those two out, I guess, in that film. <laughs> but that's <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm so glad that made the list, though. Yeah, um, that's. I mean, really, this this is the other movie that first sprang to mind when this topic came up was Poltergeist and DC Cab. <laughs> Poltergeist because it scared the crap out of me. DC Cab because it was wholly inappropriate for our age bracket. <laughs> But mom and dad, thank you so much for letting me see this movie when I was that young. I love you guys. (laughs) And you do own the DVD, correct? Indeed. Okay. Just making sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, Lordy. Um, Trying to see what's left on my list. Why don't you do one more on your list? Oh, okay, sure. Yeah. Um, So uh, another movie, uh, also rated R from the 1980s, came out in 1986, Jumpin' Jack Flash. Yeah, I'm curious Um, why this is on your list because I... I don't know. I remember being pretty darn entertained by this movie. Oh, gosh. No, yeah. I was completely enamored of this film. I still watch it with fond memories to this day. I included on this film because it taught me basically every childhood cuss word that I knew. Oh. <laughs> every four-letter word that that <laughs> I know, I learned from this film. Of course, uh, if you're not familiar with Jumpin' Jack Flash, it's a spy comedy uh, starring Whoopi Goldberg. It's a great lineup of minor characters played by the likes of John Lovitz, Jim Belushi, mm-hmm. Phil Hartman, Tracy mm-hmm. Ullman, 
Oh, when I was a kid, I, I thought this movie was the funniest movie. But, I mean, half the time they were using cuss words that I had no idea what they meant. But as a kid, I knew they were supposed to be funny, so I would laugh at them. Oh, that's um, hilarious. Yeah, there's a little there's... black woman in a big silver box. Exactly. That's, that's just such a, I mean, that's not a cuss line, but it's like that's, that's yeah, that. that's that's like the that's like the tagline for the movie almost in a sense, you know? Like I think if you or I said that line, we would instantly know what we were talking about. Yeah, most um, definitely. I mean, the, I mean there's there's one part where Whoopi Goldberg is yelling obscenities at um Gary Marshall of all people, the father of the director Penny Marshall, he plays yeah. a cop in one of the scenes. Mhm. I'll be responsible for her, I promise you that. You better get hurt to some doctor. There's nothing wrong with me, you dumb girl for the last hold. That's the word I know. Rosie, no, sir, it's Tourette's syndrome. It's starving the peace. It's an illness. People can't stop swearing. They don't even know they're doing it. She has it bad. She usually spits. Really, this is sweet talk for her. It's Tourette's syndrome. It's an Look up Tourette's syndrome. So great film, great. Then, do you have any memories of? I mean, Jumpin' Jack Flash. I mean, I I liked this movie so much. I wanted she uh, Whoopi Goldberg lived in this crazy, funky New York apartment where she had things like um, a six foot tall toothbrush as like or yes. um, you know quirky decor in her apartment. And I was like convinced when I grew up, this is what living this was a, what a, being an adult was like being this able is to what have adulting is. Yeah, where you could have a six-foot toothbrush in your apartment, you know? And I was so excited because I was like, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to have an apartment where I have a six-foot toothbrush, you know? And, and, and now that you are a grown-up and you, you have an apartment, is there anything even remotely that tall in there? No, there is a six-inch toothbrush. But a six-inch six, toothbrush? Yes. Yeah, okay. I use it every day. Um, good, good. It's also interesting because this film, the you know, the, the plot... Um, Whoopi Goldberg plays someone who mans a computer terminal and chats all day long with other people around the world, which is kind of funny when you think about it, because that's so much of what, you know, life in 2018 is all about. You know, that's true. People and this is in front of a terminal kind of pre mass um, Internet. Yeah. And it's funny because he she chats with an, uh, a spy played by Jonathan Price and halfway through the film, um, I guess the filmmakers decided to just have his voice narration come over so the audience could hear what the chat was, but it's not really explained. Like oh, it wasn't right. like there were, yeah, yeah, yeah. Scenes, you know? Yeah. So I guess you were just hearing the voice in Whoopi Goldberg's head, but as a child, that was one of those things too, where I was like, wait, why do I hear Jonathan Price's voice coming on his computer where it was just were a screen? I don't know. Um, uh, all the words I know to this day, uh, it definitely made the list. So. Nice, very nice. Yeah, because you you put a lot of titles yeah. down and not a lot of like bonus notes. I'm like, why is this one on there? That's okay, but that makes total sense. Miss mm-hmm. Yuki. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, you you remember you remember this one, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, um, but fondly too, right? Oh, very much so. Yeah. No, Jumpin' Jack Flash is one of those movies I I, I would totally go back and and watch and enjoy. Yeah. It's not something that I've got anything triggery about. Well, I think you're up next. Okay, well, really the last one of note on my list is uh, 1991's Terminator 2. Oh, wow. Yeah, we. I don't think we ever saw the first one. Um, no, I... Yeah, not before I, Terminator 2. Um, but this this is the movie in which, what, one, again, nuclear hellfire, um, uh, but two, just senseless violence senseless death mm-hmm. um just you know random bystanders dying as a result of you know these two robots uh from the future duking it out basically 
and that that's one of those things that I just I can't abide by. Mm. Like e- even even to this day, I mean, granted, I can go see a Marvel movie and you know an entire office building gets destroyed, but there's 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 a there's a step removed from that. Or I could go see Pacific Rim and see you know entire cities get you know smashed up by robots and and monsters and stuff. But there there's again there's that step removed um, mm-hmm. where it's it's at a distance. Okay, you know, but when you've got um, when you've got people up close, people who are just, you know, somebody's just trying to make a living, just trying to deliver some flowers, and boom, it just gets blown away. It's just like mm-hmm. I, I can't handle that. I, I almost feel like in this day and age, with with everything that's going on in the world right now, I almost feel like I can handle it even less. Um, you know, yeah. just because there is so much gun violence uh, being reported in the media and and taking center stage, kind of in politics right now. Um, it, it, it just nope can't do it well Just i i, def- <laughs> I definitely remember I, I know this film intimately um i don't have a lot of childhood memories of watching it but i remember having childhood memories of you being very um unhappy or disturbed by the um there's a scene in the film where there's a uh, nuclear explosion right and it playground kills scene. a lot of kids yeah you got a playground yep. scene yep I can remember as I can remember as a child remembering you being upset with that scene. Yep. Um and it actually I mean, to be honest, the more I think about it, I can't think of any other I mean, there's so many films that Hollywood has made where you see the uh, explosion of a atomic weapon, but that's probably a, a, the most disturbing of any of them because it's just it's so um detailed, mm-hmm. I guess you might say. And and I don't even care that that science has gone back and gone, okay, well it wouldn't really happen that way. That's that's just it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. That's great. That's great that it wouldn't happen that they terrific. It would be worse. It would be quicker. It would be I don't care. I don't care. But at that time, at that age, I mean nineteen now Terminator two I know we saw in theaters. Oh I did know, we? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. Oh very, I didn't know that. Very clear memory. Of oh, seeing wow. it in the theater with mom and dad. Was so I there? I went to go see it. Yeah, you were there oh, too. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so 1991, I was, let's see, a summer, so I was 14. I wasn't 15 yet. Okay. But but even then, nope, 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 no thank you. That's, that's so interesting because like my memory, the last time I can remember the four of us being at, at a movie together hmm. was like um, uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. So that's interesting because I think this that was earlier than this. So. Uh was last crusade 89 or was I thought last it was crusade yeah 93 i thought it was 89 89 that would make well let's see yeah no that would make sense because uh raiders of the lost ark was 84 no raiders of the lost, ark, raiders was lost 80, ark was like 80 or 81. 81 yeah yeah and temple was 84 and so yeah mm-hmm. last crusade would be about 89 that would be about right no no i i i remember us all going to the theater to see this was i there as as you know as i remember yeah that's awesome. I mean, not awesome, but it's like it, that's a memory I don't have. But it's like now that I I know that I trust you, you know. So that's cool. Well, I mean, I was also the one who was convinced we had Clyde's car crusher, and you know, apparently we didn't. So don't always trust my memory. <laughs> um, that's a great memory to have. <laughs> now I, I remember in '94 when we all went to go see Forrest Gump. You were in Europe, so no, yeah, you weren't right. there for that. Right, right. Okay. Um, so there's stuff like that. Um, but that, yeah, no, that that pretty much. So, so Terminator 2, that's a film that if it was on TV right now, you no would way. skip over it. Nope. Nope. Wow. I'd be like, okay, what's on HGTV? Fixer yeah. Upper on? Let's watch Fixer Upper. Right, right. I, I, I like those folks. Let's let's watch them instead, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and relatedly, even though I never saw the film, 
uh, RoboCop. Wow, yeah. Um, no, you much much in that same vein, senseless violence or absolutely utterly over the top violence. Yeah, because that's interesting. Because this is you included this only based on the strength of the movie trailer, which I yeah. guess you saw as a kid and just it messed sure. with you a little bit. Yeah. Um, which is interesting because I think I must have seen it because I definitely remember having um, one of the toys that Kenner put out from this film, the ED-260 robot. Yeah. Which was sort of like the, the villain robot to Robocop being the good guy robot. And that, and yeah, and that, and that was my big trigger because there's this one scene where he just unloads just an uncountable amount of ammunition into a person. Yeah. And just, just shreds them. And, and I just, I can't, like right now, right now, I just... No, let's go down to another topic. Just, I can't do that. Wow. I just, I, wow. No, can't. Yeah. Just, just fuck me up. Yeah, yeah. You know, that that really, like, um, <clears throat> I've, I've probably seen RoboCop a hundred times. And there is the gruesome over-violence, like ultra-violence in mm-hmm. it. But there's so many parts of that film that are just um, actually really kind of, like, there's witty satire. And then there's actually parts that are kind of really funny, too. If, and if it's like, I want I, Peter Weller and Woody Satire, I'm going to go watch Buckaroo Banzai. Yeah, no, no, no. I know, I know. I just, I wish there was some way I could edit out all the violence and just show you all the good parts of RoboCop. You yeah. know what I mean? I, I don't know. I'm sure there's but, a way to do it. I mean, Windows Movie Maker. But I just, I don't know that I'd want to. The guy who's the dad in that 70s show plays the, the villain in RoboCop. <laughs> okay, that's got and me laughing. Okay. He, the villain role that he plays... He's so funny and good. Like I hear, I read a lot about how professional actors sometimes really enjoy playing villains because they feel like they can kind of ham it up or something. Right, right. And he hams it up so good. Anyway, I'm sorry. I, no, I, that... I hate I hate to like relish and revel in something that for you causes pain that causes me pain. You know, on some level, I think. So I apologize. Um, no, don't apologize. It's totally fine. Okay. But but picturing red from that 70s show because that's all i can see him as yeah i don't see him as how he's dressed in that movie or how he's acting in that movie i literally see him as the dad from that 70s show yeah. that's really funny because i really hope at some point that he says he wants to you know shove his foot up somebody's butt oh he's oh he's so good in robocop he's oh so good anyway i'm sorry yeah. I'm no sorry. that's okay that's okay you don't need to uh, apologize this is okay this is me processing my stuff this is okay. me having a reaction you are not causing that reaction in me Okay. Okay. All right. You got two movies left on the list. I got two two of my favorite movies of all time. Okay. So and I've got to find out why you have them on your list. Okay. Confession time. When we were putting this our lists together, you know, there were some movies I knew. Time Bandit. I had to talk about Bugsy Malone. I had to talk about. But I got to the point where I was like, geez, I really need to scrape the bottom of the barrel and find some more content to talk about, or I'm just gonna have like two movies, you know. (laughs) So. I chose two films. I'm going to talk about them really briefly. Um, one is uh, 1976, Murder by Death. Such and the other one we're going to talk about, um, 1983's Yellowbeard. Just a classic. I included these films. These were films that we both grew up with, that yep. we both loved and still love, I think. And, oh, yes. And watched um, dozens of times. Dozens of times. Um, I included these films because... By today's standards, and even by 80s standards, I think there's certain elements that I want to briefly mention that I think are, at least by 2018 standards, are incredibly politically incorrect. So I think that that's why I felt that it was justifiable to add them to our list, maybe. And if nothing else, we can use it as a reason to encourage our listeners to see these films because they're great. 
Exactly. And also because I thought as in, in the sense that we're doing a podcast about our childhood, these it's like I knew that these films at some point would have to be talked about, but I'm not sure what other um, episodes would f- these these would fit in. It might be years before we get a chance to really talk about these films. That's true. So, and, and, and I don't know who just, you know, lit the tires outside your apartment, but that oh, sounds like you? some serious horsepower. Yes. Uh, welcome to Sacramento, folks. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let me start out really quick. Murder by Death. Um, 1976 rated PG, but probably could have been a PG-13 if it had been released after 84. Um, it's a murder mystery whodunit comedy with an incredible cast. We're yeah. talking Alec Guinness, David Niven, Maggie Smith, Peter Sellers, Peter Falk, Truman yes. Capote in his own yes. film role, and many, many others. Um, of course, it's the kind of, um, uh, it's the dark old house trope. It's a whole bunch of... Um, Famous detectives were invited to a remote mansion for a weekend to solve a real-life murder mystery. Um, and each of the actors portrays um, a caricature of a famous fictional detective. So, right. for instance, um, Peter Falk is kind of playing a Sam Diamond-type character. Mm-hmm. Um, David Niven is kind of playing um, like a, a Thin Man-type character. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, Alec Guinness, he's hilarious. He plays a blind butler. Um, so and, good. In fact, there's actually one part of the film where there's actually kind of, for me, a genuinely spooky part. Um, of course, this is taking place in a remote mansion. Of course, it's decorated with all the appropriate uh, bric-a-brac and props that you would expect out of a murder mystery mansion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, it's almost like something out of Scooby-Doo episodes. You it's know, almost you like something eyes else. from paintings and look at people. Yeah, it's it's really tongue-in-cheek and kind of goofy. Yeah, but yeah. Um, there's a, there's one scene where they ha- there's actually on the wall, um, it's a death mask. It almost looks like a severed human head. Oh, right. Yeah. And yeah, it yeah. starts it starts moaning mm-hmm. at some point. And everybody is the kind of aghast during their cocktail hour at this like severed head that's moaning on the wall. Yes. And it actually is um, Alec Guinness comes out as the blind butler and says that it's basically like the dinner bell. So when dinner is served, mm-hmm. this head always moans or something <laughs> and it's it's always one of the when i was a kid i it's not that i was really scared by it but it was still, it was a little spooky um but the reason i wanted to put it on my list was because peter sellers a great talent great actor great comedian oh, he plays um a chinese american detective named sydney wang yeah basically uh, your and, charlie chan character yeah he's 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 obviously a send-up of the fictional chinese american detective charlie chan who was actually also portrayed by a non-asian actor warner mm-hmm. Holland. Mm-hmm. um and and i think by any standards today you kind of have to look at peter seller's role in that character and cringe a little bit because it is politically incorrect by today's standards i think i mean to be honest i mean i think the most generous interpretation of Peter Sellers role in that film. I mean, I think he's not so much making fun of Asians, but he's making fun of the tendency of American and European authors and filmmakers to employ racist stereotypes when they portray Asian yep. characters or at least yep. in the past. Yep. And so I think, I think if, I think if you look at it through that lens, maybe it's not as offensive but to be honest, Murder by Death, it's a film that I loved as a kid and I still love today. I don't know if it would be – if I met someone for the first time and we were getting to know each other, like a coworker or you know uh, somebody at a social event, I'm not sure if it's the first thing I would mention to that person, like <laughs> the fact that I love this movie. Um, 
mainly because of Peter Sellers' uh, role. Um, but still, I, I mean, I really needed to talk about this movie at some point. Now, please tell me what you remember about Murder by Death. Oh, my uh, God, so much. And, and, and so many of them actually are, pertain to uh, uh, Sidney Wang's, um, just his, his, his similes. Mm-hmm. Treacherous mm-hmm. road like fresh mushroom, and 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 um, stuff like that. He just, oh yeah, that, he'd, he'd that, have these almost like Confucius like sayings that were um more mixed metaphor than anything else. Oh yeah, um, I mean his he he his quotes were probably of all of all the films of all the lines in that film that we quoted as children in yes, our house. Yes, his lines were probably the ones that we quoted the most. I would think probably yes. Yeah, um, um, I, you know, I just I remember um, Maggie Smith's character and like her caretaker who has been with her so long that she's now taking care of the caretaker. Oh wait, no, yeah, yeah, no, um, uh, yeah, no, that that's actually not um, Maggie Smith is in the film, but the character you're thinking about um, is actually a character. Wait, hold on. I got to look this up online. I, I can't okay, get this okay, wrong. Okay, okay, because it's it is it's a complete mismarble. Um, Elsa, Elsa, Elsa Lancaster. She okay. plays a detective, an English woman who is obviously a send up of Miss um, Marple's, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but she cares for her nurse. Who? It, how do I explain this? Um, Elsa Lancaster is a famous actress, and she's famous for portraying. The Bride of Frankenstein in the 1935 classic movie of okay. the same title. Okay. Yeah. And she plays in Murder by Death a character named Jessica Marbles, who is obviously a send up of Miss Marple. Yeah. Um, and she has um, uh, a very old woman that she cares for, who, when Miss Marbles was a child, was her nurse. Yes. That, okay, I think we're. I think we. Okay. Yes. But yes. You remember that a lot. That's what you're saying. I do. I remember that a lot, especially okay. when when the room gets shut in and and they start pumping gas in. Yes. Like some sort of like I can't remember if it's a nurse like a murder or a sleep agent. Yes, it's something like that. And yeah. um, the 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 older the nurse is hard of hearing, and and so they're talking about gas, and there's this whole basically just a giant fart joke between yeah, them, where she's like, joke. no, I didn't, you know. I, I didn't fart, you know. What are you talking about? Like she's getting all offended, and she's like, "No, yeah. gas. I smell gas. I smell yeah. gas. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't smell that bad." There's yeah. yeah. There's so much great. The um the 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 actor who plays um basically the Hercule Poirot, James Coco. Yes. Yeah, oh plays, my god, um, James Coco is yeah a gift from God. I mean, yeah. his portrayal. Of of this Hercule Poirot type is so Milo Perrier. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, God. yeah. No, I mean this, ladies and gentlemen. If you haven't seen this film, uh, please, I mean, please uh, go. Yeah, see James Coco. James Coco. His um his chauffeur is played by a super young James Cromwell, yes, which is kind of that's a trip. right. Um and uh, you know even Eileen Brennan is in this, who that's went on to play mm-hmm. uh, Miss Peacock in um Clue, in Clue. which is almost. That's a great way to think about this film. If you're unfamiliar with Murder by Death, it's basically Clue, but from the 70s. <laughs> it's Clue before there was Clue. Right, right. Yeah. No, it's exactly. so good. So, oh, so good. Now, why is Yellowbeard on your list? I can guess okay. because it's this magnificent mashup of Monty Python and Cheech and Chong. 
Yeah, I mean, Yellowbeard. If you, if you, again, it's a, it's a night, it's a PG rated film. Came out in 1983. I'm convinced if it came out in 84 or later, it would have been PG 13. I almost um, think it would have been R at times, but yeah, maybe you even know, it, it, it is also amazingly on DVD. So please, if you can find a copy, watch it. If you like Monty Python, if you like Chin Chong, if you like peanut butter and chocolate together, watch this movie. It's 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 a pirate comedy. It's a comedy about pirates. Um, it's got half the cast of Monty Python, so we're talking Graham Chapman, John Cleese, Eric Idle. Mm-hmm. It's actually got about half the half the cast of, in my opinion, one of the funniest films ever made, Young Frankenstein. So it's got Peter Boyle, Marty Feldman, Madeline Kahn, Kenneth Mars. You're absolutely plus, right. Plus, you throw on top of that Cheech and Chong, right? So on paper, you're thinking, okay, there's so much comedy talent in this film. This has got to be one of the funniest films ever made, right? Um, and the thing of it is, it's, 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 it's super violent and there's a lot of violence done in the films for laugh and especially active violence against women. And especially when I say acts of violence against women, it's pretty much just acts of violence against poor Madeline Kahn, who, who I adore. And I no, think she, she's a she, comedy she, genius. She is an angel. She is fantastic. And, you know, in this, in the defense of this film, I have to say, there are so many films and things in the media that portray pirates in a very romanticized light. I almost feel that this movie is sort of trying to be like a counterbalance and show pirates as so incredibly violent that it's it's just like ridiculous in a sense, you know? Yes, um, I, I think it's worth noting. Well, well yes, there's violence. Um, yeah. You know, it's... It's obviously it's not the same as say watching Terminator Two or RoboCop. This is it's different. I, well, I don't I don't know how to quantify that. I feel like I'm completely being hypocritical to everything I've been saying before. But it's canon violence. Yeah, it, no. it's canon violence. It's no, sword no, no. violence. It, but it's it's, n- it's not horribly bloody and gory. It's you it's know, not gory. No, it's not um, gory at all. There, there is one sailor who does get his foot nailed to the deck of a ship, and then he stays nailed to the deck of the ship for about a month, and then they finally unnail his foot. Yes, and he can amazingly dance right away. Yeah. Um, you know. Okay, so, I, I mean, will admit, I will admit, when I was young, I was kind of like, ooh, squick. Just that yeah. moment of like, oh, that looks, ugh, I would never want to experience that. Yeah. But so um, much of it is played for laughs. It, it is. I mean, Even Graham like Chapman, the rocking of the ship, he's kind of like, ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> Oh, 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 back and forth, and it's even During that storms, is yeah, kind poor of guy funny. Is the only guy on the deck, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Yellowbeard, of course, is the name of the main pirate. He's played by Graham Chapman. Um, he's incredibly over the top in terms of his violence. I think um, the film opens with a opening uh, monologue where it talks about he had eaten the hearts of over five hundred French and Spaniard Frenchmen and Spaniards or something. Um, and it's uh, it's it's um, I loved this film as a kid. I still love it. I yeah. think if I showed it to Perrin today, I'd feel guilty. Well, that's that's probably because we wouldn't let you. But that's what I'm saying. You wouldn't let him either because and so I think that's why for me, I feel that it's okay to include it on this list. You well, know, yeah. I mean, I probably he's saw older, this, sure, but but I, but I'm 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 pretty sure I saw this film at least at his age, if not younger. You know what I, I mean? Okay, look, if 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 it came out in what 83, correct? Yeah. Okay. You were born in 78. Right. You were 5 when it came out. 
Right. That was so, brand new came out. So we probably saw it at least a year to two years later. So yes, right. I realize you were still kind of in that five to seven range. Right. Um, but it, so, it, I definitely don't think it was earlier than that. Yeah, no. I mean, I think... And, and I, again, folks, I really want to emphasize I... I love my parents. I think they did a great job raising me. I wouldn't have had it any other way. If I had, if there's an alternate universe where Sebastian grew up not having seen Yellowbeard because his parents didn't think it was appropriate, I would feel bad for that Sebastian. So I don't want to give the wrong impression here. I, uh, I think I think for the half dozenth time, I, I don't think you're giving that impression. <laughs> I think you're fine. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, but, I think it's safe to say that that pretty much everybody out there has seen something or a few some things at an age that where they probably shouldn't have but that doesn't mean that they've got bad parents yeah okay I, there there, I, there was there's stuff that you know our kids have seen where it's like oh, okay that might have been a little early yeah. you know but granted at the same time you know we don't have six-year-olds seeing this kind of stuff yeah yeah i mean it i mean poor madeline con she's Folks, I don't want to be gruesome, but she's basically violated in every way you can imagine in this film and for laughs. And so it's very, it's very, it's a, it's a, I'm not saying it's not a funny movie, but it's very disjointed in the sense that there's so much comedy talent in this. And yet they go for like some of the lowest forms of humor, which don't get me wrong. When I'm a little, when I was a little kid, I'm all about low forms of humor. I was not smart enough and old enough to understand satire and highfalutin stuff. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, somebody getting his, his leg chopped off and hopping around on one leg, that I understood, you know. <laughs> that I understood why that's funny, you know what I mean? Uh, so, anyway. Um, it's still, it's... Tell, yeah, tell, tell, me more, tell me some more of your memories about oh this God. film. Oh, um, God. Um, John Cleese's Blind Pew. Yes, right. Um, and 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 you know yes admittedly he 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 meets a pretty terrible end too although he's you know basically let off into a room and or a, a shack basically and then that Marty shack Feldman is blown up blows him up yeah. yeah you don't you don't see an actual person explode so there's there's again there's that step back from that kind of stuff um uh yellowbeard being so angry with madeline khan for withholding some sort of information you know it was like uh you know uh Give me this information, or you're all nail your tits to the table. Um. Oh yeah, no. There's so many. There's so many jokes in the film that are just like from 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 a 2018 perspective. You just look at that and you just think this movie is not woke. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm just, maybe the I'm pirate just culture. That out I don't know. I, maybe I don't it know. is. Um, but 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 that's the thing is we're not we're not necessarily looking at it from a 2018 perspective. I mean, we were looking at it from 2018 hindsight, but we're, we're looking at it from, from how it was then in mm-hmm. the eighties when we watched it. Um, and for whatever reason, I mean, maybe it just was so kind of ludicrous in a sense that, that like a Wiley e. Coyote cartoon is ludicrous that you go, mm-hmm. okay, well, I know not to take this seriously. I wouldn't actually nail somebody's foot to the floor. That's silly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it, it's it's that over the top to the point of being a little cartoonish that allows the mind to kind of separate it from reality a little bit. You know, what I'm I mean? getting the, so I'm getting the feeling like for you, if there's like a film or television depiction of like gun violence with a shotgun, that's not as cool as like if it's like a flintlock musket, maybe. Um, are we talking in a film or a cartoon? 
No, no, like, I mean, you know, if Arnold Schwarzenegger has a shot-off shotgun and he blows someone away versus, you know, someone's in Yellowbeard and they, like, shoot someone with, like, a flintlock musket, like, it's, it's, one's, one's impacting you more than the other emotionally speaking, yes, right? Yes, yeah. and, I, and, I, and, I, and I don't think it's a matter of the weapon. I think it's a matter of the filmmaking. Oh. I think it's a matter of how it is shot. Um, if something is slowed down, if something is close up mm-hmm. um it is going to have a greater impact mm. um it is it is it is the the director or the editor making a very conscious choice to drive home to the viewer mm-hmm. you know literally the impact of this event of this choice mm. um you know when it's the middle of a big pirate battle you know and there's yeah a, a flintlock pistol Mm-hmm. or something um nothing's nothing's slowed down mm. in any of that nothing nothing at least in what i remember from that movie is is ever shown really close up mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um you know um it, it it's all in that directing and that editing kind of where okay. that effect comes from interesting um you so know- yeah i look at Yellowbeard, and and you, you know what you're right you know it it is a violent film, um, but it is played and edited and is done in such a way that the violence isn't necessarily the focus of the film. Okay. At least to me, that, that's, that's, that's my take on it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's <clears throat> just, I, I, I included it on our list more than anything because I thought, you know, it was such a big film in our childhood that mm-hmm. we had to talk about, we're going to have to talk about it at some point. And this was a, a film related podcast. So I thought I'd throw it out there. One last little weird thing about uh, Yellowbeard I learned recently. Hmm. Apparently um, the character of Yellowbeard was based on if the internet's to be believed uh which <laughs> these days on the internet's true right exactly because everything on the internet's true the character of yellow period is based in part on um keith moon from the who you know the rock star yeah right, right. um and, and i think um uh, peter boyle's character in the film is named moon in his honor um which oh, i always thought oh okay it's kind of interesting because when i think about it i think when johnny depp was in the pirate movie pirates of the caribbean mm-hmm. I think he kind of modeled his performance after Keith Richards from That's The Doors. That's absolutely correct, yes. So it's interesting how it's like you have, okay, British rock stars, but like they're associated with pirates. Like that seems to be like this interesting theme or something. Yeah. Hmm. Like, I don't know. It's kind of a weird thing. But anyway, I just I thought that was kind of weird. But... Somebody's got a film thesis out there to write on it. Right, right. Uh, we've talked about so many different films tonight we really have we really have and if uh you know you're still out there and listening thank you for sticking with us uh Uh, this has been no short event and you know this has definitely been a roller coaster of emotions to say the least Mm -hmm. anything else we want to cover before uh kind of i don't know putting the final nail in the uh the deck on this thing well folks i just I just, I just want to say, I love my brother. I love my parents. <laughs> if there was uh, ever I, any doubt out there, yeah, you know, I mean, I just, I just, I, I relish so much being able to talk to you about these memories, and um, I, I know personally, there's people that listen to our podcast and and that enjoy it, but um, I mean, I think if nothing else, just to kind of get some of these memories uh, down in zeros and ones, 
while they while we're uh, still around and kicking. I think that that's some that's an achievement. So yeah, for sure, for sure. I actually just uh, uh, found out just this this afternoon that uh, a guy who lives here in town follow we follow each other on Instagram and stuff, and he was like, "Oh yeah, is." didn't you mention this other thing in this in, in your podcast with your brother? And I was like, Oh, Oh yeah. Hey. And thanks for listening. You know, I was, oh, had cool. no idea. So, you know, shout outs to, uh, Rusty Shackelford on, uh, on Instagram. Thank you, sir, for listening. We appreciate it. And if you're out there listening, you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Check that segue at memory serves pod. You can follow me on Twitter at apex Buddha and follow Seb at clan McMuffin. Still the best best twitter handle in the world uh subscribe to us on itunes and stitcher and wherever else you get your podcast feed just search if memory serves please if you can rate and review us as well we'd really appreciate it helps us get noticed by uh those services share it with friends confound your enemies either one works um also subscribe to us on soundcloud soundcloud.com slash the n-o-t-l-g where you can get all the programs on the Night of the Living Geats network. Um, also, check us out at notlg.com. Uh, you can definitely get there and engage with us there. Um, and if you got a few bucks, you can help uh, spare uh, patreon.com slash notlg. It will help uh, keep the network running strong and uh, help cover any hosting expenses that we run into with however many podcasts we have on this network now my heavens um morgan willis does our intro and outro music uh the track party all night i don't know what to tell you i've done two separate twitter polls to decide whether we should stick with his music or go back to betonal landscapes and not a single person has you know chimed in so I, we're just gonna I, keep going this way i do have to say i did have at least one coworker who kindly listens to our podcast who did want to vote in the poll but does yes. not have a twitter account oh, so oh okay we have one vote um, what was it but we did we oh i have no idea because he oh. didn't have twitter he wasn't able God. to vote <laughs> okay ask him or her what they would have voted we will count the one vote <laughs> okay anyway. i'll do it i'll do a manual tally no that, that's if that's what we got to do that's what we got to do you but you can check out morgan willis on uh facebook just search up his name it's all in caps you can't miss it he's also on twitter uh at morgan willis eight two and check him out on SoundCloud. Just search up his name. Also, don't forget. Well, don't forget we we had two Twitter polls, and you know nobody voted uh, except not even somebody the who doesn't even have Twitter. Yeah, not even any Russian Twitter bots. They oh, don't man. care about who our intro and outro music is. Oh. oh well, oh well. I'm not sure I want them voting anyway in any capacity. So Seb. What are we going to talk about next month? What are we going to talk about next month? What oh, aren't Lord. we going to talk about next right? month, folks? We're we're going to talk about video games in some shape or form or fashion, and I get a feeling that it's going to be part one of at least two parts, if not many more. What, what, uh, is that your feeling? Or? Yeah, that is my feeling, because uh, okay. um, I originally said, let's do Pong, because we grew up with an original Pong console in the house through mm -hmm. Super Nintendo. That right. basically covers the 80s and 90s for us. Everything before the PlayStation came out. Um, and we've gone back and forth and then like, oh, crap, that's that's actually a that's, lot of content. So what we might do, to cover. that is a whole lot of territory. We've already started the notes for it, which is amazing. Um, and we may not talk in depth about every single title we played, but we'll definitely hit some highlights and some important ones for us. So um we're going to record that in a month and if it runs long 
Um, I may just decide to break it into two parts and rather than separate it by an entire month is that we'll actually do two episodes next month. We'll do one at the start and we'll do one around the 15th of the month and that'll cover Oh, cool! everything. That's kind of what I'm thinking if it runs long, which knowing us as we are creeping up toward the two hour mark before editing, that might just happen. So anyway, join us next month. When we talk about video games, hope you enjoyed our discussion of movies we saw when we were really way too young to have watched them. And if you've got any, please share them with us and we will talk to you next time. See ya. Bye bye, folks. This has been a Night of the Living Geeks production. For more information and content, visit notlg.com. If you want to, if you want to breach the spirit world, press three. <laughs> <laughs> For nice. returns, press four.